Yeah. I'm looking for a transporter. Welcome to Now Playing's Transporter Retrospective Series. Fasten the seatbelt. Hosted by Arnie. You really want to play superhero, don't you? Jerry. So much can drive. Yes, he can. And Jacob. People will always need guys like me, right? Join us at NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for a new Transporter movie review. Play time for me. These podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. With you, it's always complicated. Very hush-hush stuff. Listener discretion is advised. Trust him on this one. Now drive. Set it Today we're discussing Transporter 3, starring Jason Statham, Natalia Rudikova, Francois Berlant, Robert Nepper, directed by Olivier Megaton. <laughs> I listened to his commentary. He does not pronounce it Megaton. Oh, that's a shame. I think that's just because his French accent is so thick. I, I think he <laughs> means it to mean Megaton. It's not his birth name. <laughs> really? This is Arnie Killaton, the now playing co-host. Hey, this is Jerry. Glad to be back. And this is the host who has trees to save and industrialists to disappoint, Jacob. So you're the eco-Nazi among us, Jacob. I figured it was you. (laughs) Transporter 3. Unlike Transporter 1 and 2, I have virtually no memory of this coming out. It came out Thanksgiving of 2008. Because when I think turkey, well, yeah, actually, I do think of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the slot that's always reserved for Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or James Bond or the Transporter. This is what they call counter-programming, I suppose. I mean, it was opening up against Four Christmases and Twilight opened the week before. Although Quantum of Solace was two weeks earlier. So they got the right slot. They waited for all the big movies to blow over. And this was the leftovers, basically. This was that half-eaten turkey leg. But, hey, who am I to judge? This became the top-grossing Transporter film at the box office. So we are going to be reviewing their greatest theatrical success in terms of dollars. Yeah, I mean, since I hadn't seen Transporter 2, and I can't remember if when I started to watch it on Stars or whatever, I'm guessing they're actually airing it. Could have been FX, whatever. I'm guessing they're airing it probably in preparation for this coming out. So since I turned it off after a half hour or something, I probably didn't think Transporter 3 was worth seeing. So this is the first time I've I've watched this movie as well. And I don't even know if I knew this one existed. I knew there was a two. I'd never bothered watching it after the first one. So, yeah, I don't even know if I knew this was around until we started doing this retrospective. Well, when I saw the Audi was back, I was like, ah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're going to ch- chase different kinds of cars. No BMW. BMW either didn't like this franchise <laughs> yeah. or they didn't like BMW after that first one. Well, it was probably more of the, uh, you know, who, who's the highest bidder to uh, sponsor the film. But I don't know the story about, you know, any of that stuff. But, you know, that's Frank's signature car now so i assume he's driving an audi in the new movie that's his iconic car it's sort of like what jason's mask didn't show up into the third movie so yeah he had that little bmw phase but he's he's an audi guy <laughs> it's all a black car to me well besides the audi returning what else happens in this film arnie give us a plot our main transporter frank can't catch a break 
trying to take a fishing trip with his friend Inspector Tarconi, they're interrupted when the inspector is called away to investigate a racing Audi that left the France boat docks. Of course, Frank is suspected, but he was with the inspector the whole time. The car escapes Tarconi's men, but ends up that night literally crashing into Frank's house. The driver was Malcolm, an associate of Frank's. Previously, Frank had been approached by a mercenary named Johnson to transport a package, but Frank turned down the job and suggested Malcolm. But Malcolm has been shot and equipped with an explosive bracelet. If Malcolm gets more than 75 feet away from the car, boom. Which is exactly what happens when Malcolm is taken away by an ambulance. Then Frank is knocked out and taken hostage by Johnson, equipped with a bracelet, and forced to drive a package from France to Budapest. That package is a woman named Valenta. She is the daughter of a Ukrainian prime minister whose eco-friendly policies are making it hard for vague evil people to dump toxic waste in the Ukraine. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think these are the ones who are flooding the sewers in Friday the 13th Part 8. So the company hired Johnson to kidnap Valenta and hold her hostage so the minister will sign a document allowing the dumping of the waste. But Johnson didn't count on Frank, who beats up Johnson's goons and escapes several death traps, chasing the Merc and even jumping his car onto a moving train to free himself from his wrist-bound explosive and kill Johnson. And with Valenta free, the minister rips up the contract and evil is vanquished as credits roll. So that's the plot. And we're going to go through it because that's what we do here. And I understand <laughs> that and I will participate in that because it's not all bad. But I need to just state this right now, and I don't know that I've ever done this in over 500 reviews we've done. This is a not recommend because of it was just poorly freaking made. Did you guys notice this? Did you guys have a problem with the, I dare not call it cinematography, the post-processing they done? They sped this thing up to like 1.5x. Yeah, I remember you didn't like this when they did it in that first Mad Max film. They would speed the film up a little bit to make everything look like it was going a little bit faster. It was real obvious then. Here, I'm like, are they doing that same trick here? And so I guess they were. It sticks out. Well, it's noticeable in the action scenes, but I could accept it in the action scenes. What's really weird to me is like the entire second half of the movie is fast. If somebody's walking towards a car, they're walking towards it abnormally fast. <laughs> People just are moving abnormally to the point. I paused this freaking movie because I watch my Blu-rays on a PlayStation 4, which is an absolute horrible way to watch Blu-rays. The controllers have bright lights. There's no actual remote for the damn thing. And the little joysticks on the PlayStation remote are sensitive as hell. And so I reach for my water. I tap the joystick. I'm... 10x rewind so it's not <laughs> uncommon that sometimes i'm in 1.5x fast forward by accident and so i'm like pausing it rewinding it wondering if my playstation is stuck on 1.5x and finally i google it not since the aviator has a movie made me think my equipment was broke <laughs> not since the aviator has a movie angered me so much because i thought my crap was broke so this is a not recommend, but then we'll still talk about it. There are some positive things, but the editing is not one of them. Wow, you're coming out this early, not recommend. 
Yeah. Do we have to go now, too? <laughs> no, no. You guys can play it close to the vest. I usually do, but... I will say that, yeah, I don't know if I noticed it with the walking that much, but I was watching a, a digital file version of this film. Yeah, me too. And I just figured, oh, it must be, like, some lag or something with the computer. <laughs> because, yeah, I did notice, like, it would just kind of, like, skip. And it looked like it was going a little bit faster, but I figured, why would you do that with just walking scenes? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, I, I noticed it throughout. It did not take me out of it nearly as much, apparently, as it did you, Arnie. But, and like you, Jacob, I was streaming it, so I didn't think there was any equipment issues. But the one thing that I did jar me a little bit is that in the fight scenes, these people are just super fast and an inhuman level. It's almost like you're watching a superhero movie of like Flash versus Quicksilver or something, you know, with trying to do martial arts. So there are times and as a guy who enjoys some good martial arts movies, I was like, man, you don't need to do this. this these guys are good and, you know, you're speeding them up and it's it was a little annoying, but I was not nearly as passionate about, <laughs> about it as you are. <laughs> I did notice, you know, the other two were right around that 90 minute mark and for a film like this, 90 minutes, great length. You could even go down to 88, not going to complain. This one is about one hour and I think 43 minutes, something around there. So maybe they had to speed it up. Maybe they wanted to get that time down and so they're like we'll just speed up the second half which i don't mind the shorter these films the better for me i literally thought that and i'll be perfectly honest i've been known to use a trick or two in editing to speed up a few now playings where we went long and i can't kill my darlings <laughs> nobody's ever noticed now you're gonna have to go back and listen to over 500 episodes to find like the three i did it on but there are some tricks in editing, and I really wondered, did he love that scene of goons walking towards the Audi so much that he couldn't cut it and instead sped up the entire thing by such a fraction that it could have only saved a minute or two off the whole thing? But, Lord, I thought in the beginning that it was just they couldn't film action. And so they sped up the action. And that's certainly going to be another problem I'm going to call out, is the action scenes are the worst shot of the entire franchise. Jerry, you called out the quick cuts, and yeah, I mean, this is all a whole bunch of fakery that hides Jason Statham's actual talent. And so that was an issue, but then when they do it to the non-fighting scenes, what the hell? Yeah, I did notice that, like, as we get into this plot, as we do... Early on, I didn't mind the fighting scenes, but yeah, I noticed second half of this film, I don't know what was going on. Yeah, those action scenes start getting chopped up very quick edits. I There's a lot of stuff that it starts out well, and then, yeah, I don't know what happened during the second half of, like, incompetent editor. Maybe this was all done by accident. I don't know. Yeah, I noticed that the worst from an action scene perspective when he was fighting all the goons in Otto's garage. That's where I thought it was the most noticeable, but... It was definitely one of those things where you're like, oh, okay, there's a speed up. There's a speed up. Yeah, it, it was an odd choice, and you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, you know, Jason Statham's got so much talent in delivering action scenes, and the stunt fighters around him, I, you know, I think uh, complement him well. And it just, it wasn't necessary to create a further feeling of intensity and speed in their in their martial arts skills so odd for sure but this one i mean this third one in the franchise starts off very differently they break the formula here instead of frank sitting in a garage waiting to drive off with the package or to pick up the package 
He's sitting in the boat with Tarconi fishing. Which, you know, I love because I, I feel like this is like the next day after Transporter 1. <laughs> <laughs> they are back in France, though. They're not in Miami anymore. Right. So since I didn't recommend Transporter 2, I felt like, oh, good. I can I can go right to this movie and pretend the second one didn't happen. The actor who plays Tarconi would like you to. It turns out he really hated what they gave him to do in part two. I couldn't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, he didn't like being a goofball like Jerry Lewis. I do love that they call out like the whole <laughs> French love Jerry Lewis thing here. Like, it's about time. Yeah, he said it was too much of a French stereotype last time, so he was happy that Megaton had more cop-like things for him to do, even though he was still going to be the comic relief. The actor is just a funny guy, but yeah, he is going to get a more serious role here. The fishing scene is really strange because this comes after a really weird scene that I still don't understand of two guys on a boat opening some toxic waste, dying and being dumped in the river. Are they hijackers? Do they think they're stealing gold doubloons and it's toxic waste? They think they're getting booze. Yeah, they think there's booze on the ship. They were workers on the ship and they're like, hey, let's go grab a couple of bottles of booze from one of the containers. I thought we were getting a throwback to the first transporter. I'm like, oh, containers in a ship. This is all about the Chinese again but no they wanted to get their booze and instead there's yeah toxic waste i i was waiting for the tar man from return of the living dead to pop up <laughs> so there's that and then the car comes off of this boat and starts the chase and it's somewhat clever i don't know if you guys noted this but tarconi catches a fish the moment the chase begins and as the chase intensifies so does tarconi fighting to catch the fish and when Malcolm driving the car gets away, Tarconi's line snaps. It's like a metaphor. No, no, it's not a fish. Frank's playing a joke on him. Tarconi fell asleep, and so he got some, like, piece of equipment and tied it to his line to fake him out. Yeah. Ah. And Frank is narrating the, oh, pull left, pull right, left, left. I did like that. I thought that was a clever way to edit it, because we don't know who this other driver is. He's in an Audi. It's like, oh, is this going to be Frank's evil nemesis that's just as great transporter as he is i actually like this driving it's not fast and furious stunt driving but it's this very tight turns and it reminded me what i remember of that movie ronin where they're in europe and racing cars around for a getaway it kind of reminded me of that and i like that from what i remember so i'm enjoying this chase at the beginning here you know whoever's driving this car is not a rival or an equal to frank because his audi is a couple model models older it's not a newer Audi like Frank's pristine. So when I saw the type of Audi and just how older it was a few years and the previous model design, I'm like, eh, this guy, yeah, this guy's a schmuck who's going to get it. I knew by the car. <laughs> Jerry, you are experiencing this movie on a totally yes. different level than me, and I love it. That was lost on me. I'm like, oh, it has the Audi emblem on the hood. It's an Audi. <laughs> I don't know how many cylinders it had. I don't know any of that car stuff. And it's beautiful because Tarconi gets the call saying, oh, wow, there's a guy running around in a black Audi. And, of course, Frank's right there. He's like, don't look at me. <laughs> I like the jokes here. They're working better for me at the beginning, at least. But it turns out Frank kind of is involved. Yeah, 
when Malcolm crashes into his house, we then get a flashback, which is a bit unusual. I mean, it's a new stylistic structure for these films, kind of going a little Tarantino on us, Megaton. Hey, it gets us to a fight scene, and I feel that's like an important element of the Transporter franchise. And at least this fight scene, one of the things I noticed, I liked it. It's in a big, wide-open space. I've noticed in a lot of times we're very claustrophobic. You know, we're in tight spaces doing hatchets, and it gives you a chance to do some Jackie Chan stuff, but this was in a big grand piano ballroom or something. I wish that piano was used more for the fighting, but I like this opening fight scene. I guess it's not an opening fight scene, this flashback fight scene. Yeah, it is kind of cool. I want to know how long ago this happened. The timeline of this is all very fuzzy to me because he really kicks one goon's butt and that goon shows back up a little bit later and is has his arm in a sling and still has the bruises, so this has to have been really recent-ish. Yeah, I, I figure it's got to be within the last few weeks because they hired Malcolm. Well, they didn't hire Malcolm. They wanted Frank. Frank said he couldn't do it for what, reasons? Yeah. The one thing that I kind of got from watching this one and listening to the commentary that I didn't get from part two is that Frank could be retired and that's why he went to Miami and drove kids around and not taking jobs now. He does always have nice houses in France to live in, right on the ocean, so. Well, he's hanging out with inspectors now, going out fishing. He can't be taking jobs from really bad people. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And the weird thing to that scene for me was that, you know, he's got this whole no-name rule, but then he hands, uh, <laughs> if I recall correctly, hey, call Malcolm and here's his number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they even call it out at one point. Frank is like, yeah, I don't even know why I have these rules because he <laughs> is always breaking them. But do the rules apply when you don't actually take the job when you say no to the job? And then you think you're done, and then you are blackmailed with your life, threatened into a job. I don't know that those honorable rules need to apply anymore, do they? At that point, it's, I want to know your name, because I'm going to flip and kill you. Yeah, I feel like this movie gets that these rules are dumb, and like, if they would have stuck to that hardcore in one and two, but no, he's always been breaking the rules. They don't matter. That was a quirk, and everyone's going to have a quirk in this one. They're all going to have, like, some little thing they keep going back to, like, one character is always going to be talking about what she wants off a menu and yeah frank you had rules but you never stuck to them so just drop that thing so the one thing that threw me off for a moment is frank looks at malcolm's passport as if he's trying to figure out who the guy is like he grabs the passport sees the name because hey malcolm wake up i thought maybe he was just trying to okay what's this guy's name let me see if i can talk to him and then the moment he said malcolm like wait a minute, that's the name that he that was on that piece of paper. So he knows this guy. I told you to drop in any time. So it's like, why are you sifting through his passport? <laughs> yeah, they wanted to try to stretch that mystery out as far as possible. Like Again, I liked it at the beginning. I'm like, oh, this is going to be the big rival against Frank. And no, they're actually friends. They try to play that beat a bit too long, though. Now, one thing you mentioned during the plot summary, Arnie, was that Malcolm comes out of a boat. And that's not the same boat with the toxic waste. It's not. Okay, I'm confused about the boats then. It's like the two containers in the first one. I don't mean to go back to that because we've, we've started in the, you know, what's going on in Frank's house. But one of the things that to me is weird about this movie is that I'm saying that with not 100% confidence, but because that boat with the toxic waste, though, is what's trying to get into the Ukraine 
to, you know, they got to sign that thing so when the boat arrives, they don't get inspected, blah, 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 and they can do whatever they want with that toxic waste, which I don't know why is a big deal that they have to take it there. But one of the things I researched a little bit about this movie is uh, I'm just a little lost. I've been to Europe a few times, but I still don't know exactly where Budapest, Bucharest is in relation to the Ukraine. I have to kind of, okay, where what what's happening here? <laughs> and all the racing, obviously, is going on, you know, with Malcolm driving around from the police is going on in Nice. And we, we see that the girl was taken from, she says she was taken from the island of uh, Avizia, which is off of Spain. So I'm guessing that they kidnapped her there in the club, took her by boat to Nice. Malcolm got her by car, tried to get out of that general area, couldn't, ran from the cops within Nice, which is why Tarconi's involved. But th- and then he crashed into uh, Frank's house, all within Nice. The boat doesn't arrive to the Ukraine with a toxic waste to the end of the movie. Which the Ukraine is does not sit on an ocean. So I don't know how this boat is physically traveling to the Ukraine. They don't have a little port. It, well, it sits on the Black Sea. I mean, this boat is depicted of traveling through night, dumping bodies. We're hours away. I mean, it's it sits in, you know, off the Black Sea. So I, I don't know where this boat's coming from. It makes no freaking sense to me. Hey, thank you for bringing that up. Because I was kind of wondering a lot of this myself. I wondered why... Valenta was in Nice, why they were taking her to Nice on that car. I mean, she's there. The whole point is to keep her hostage, truthfully. In addition to my technical issues, Johnson is the worst mercenary ever. It's actually ironic. On the Transporter 3 Blu-ray, there is a special feature about transporters in the real world. And they have a bunch of beefy-looking guys, ex-CIA, ex-FBI, talking about what you do when somebody's, you know, you've got a diplomat or an enemy of the state or a celebrity going to a foreign country, what you do and what they do in America. And one of the last things said is, you've got your professionals and then you've got your amateurs who don't know what they're doing. And the only thing you can hope is you get a professional and the amateurs don't stay in business that long. I think Johnson here is one of the (laughs) amateur mercs and was just picked by, like, going to meetamerc.com <laughs> and i mean why do you need a transporter to drive her she you got a bomb on her that she seems pretty docile why are you driving her to nice and then bucharest and then the ukraine i mean his plot is dumb why does he force frank into doing it i mean at the end he has this speech of i didn't want anyone to get hurt then why did you strap a bracelet onto the guy who doesn't want the job instead of just finding somebody who does well what's so weird is like yeah this bracelet we'll bring it up now i mean malcolm's gonna bite it soon because with this bracelet if you get more than 75 feet away from the car it goes kaboom so we see malcolm and valenta they get pulled over i guess they're going through customs or something and they're told they have to get out and bring their passports and they can't get out of the car though else they'll blow up like that yeah there seems like things that you should have taken into account like if you're the bad guy if you're johnson here about these bracelets that you're gonna strap around people that have to drive i can only guess they want to drive Valenta around so the police or Interpol or whoever can't zero in on exactly where she's at until those papers, those contracts are signed by the prime minister. 
But it's never said here. That's just my guess. There's a lot of things. Is the prime minister signing a bill that says... (laughs) Bring your toxic waste. Like, we want immigrants. They want toxic waste. They have the Statue of Toxic Avenger instead of the Statue (laughs) of Liberty. I mean, what is he signing? He's a government official, not a business. So I don't think, although admittedly, these former Russian states, you never know what they're doing. But I wouldn't think they they could just sign a contract with a business to say, yeah, bring it in. I mean, yeah, he's going to speak to the U.N. about being green, basically being environmentally friendly, because this is what, 2008. So that's starting to become a big deal. We don't hear climate change in this movie, but. You know, it's all about the environment. And yeah, the irony I'm using very loosely in a very like, okay, here's an elementary school kid writing the script that just learned what irony is. The irony is that, yeah, they want to use the Ukraine to dump waste for, again, reasons. <laughs> we don't know why. And to make it worse, instead of one ship full of toxic waste, they want to bring in eight ships. Like, I, I feel like Lando needs to be around. This deal keeps getting worse. <laughs> it's very strange. And I mean, to my earlier comment, yes, you can go through the Straits of Gibraltar, go through Mediterranean Sea, go through Turkey. There's Straits at Istanbul and you would could physically arrive to the Ukraine but it doesn't seem like the easiest path versus dumping it all off in Libya or something. I, I don't know. Go to international waters and just dump it. Let the pirates get aerated. There's multiple options. So it's a lot of confusion. And Jacob, to your point, it's just like, no, it's it's just evil plan XYZ. So just these are what the bad guys are doing. And the bad guys are the bad guys. So and they want to hurt Frank. So that, that's enough of a premise. Which <laughs> more or less has been the premise for all these films. Like they're all pretty ridiculous plots. But I will give this one prop. I think I commented in the first uh, Transporter podcast around like, hey, the, the movie's called The Transporter and we see Frank, you know, transport the bank robbers and then he gets his job to bring the girl to Wall Street. And then the rest of the movie, the other two thirds of the movie is just about Frank sort of, you know, people are going after Frank and Frank exacts revenge, but he's not really transporting anything through the majority of the movie. This movie is about the dangers and the toils and the snares of him having to transport something from point A to point B. So he is actually throughout the entire movie, at least I even looked at my timer on the movie, that about 16, 17 minutes in, he's involved in being a transporter, and he's literally transporting something from nearly beginning to end. So I did kind of dig that we're following Frank along one of his more interesting transport jobs. Even if it's forced and not like a typical one, but he's driving, avoiding this, avoiding that, trying to get off the grid here, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I I mean, like might be a strong word, but like is a strong word (laughs) for me when it comes to this franchise. (laughs) But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. He's transporting stuff here, and he's trying to solve a problem while he's being forced to transport Valenta after Malcolm blows up. Johnson kidnaps him and puts the bracelet on Frank, and now he's got to do the job. That's who they wanted originally anyway. And so, yeah, he's going to drive around. We see, like, some mysterious people in a Mercedes. Ah, I wish it was a BMW, because we're going to get this Mercedes versus Audi. And I wish it was a BMW versus Audi, because, like, that's (laughs) the rift that was caused with one and two. But no, they go with the Mercedes here. But, yeah, we get these mysterious group. They're going to steal the GPS out of the Audi that Malcolm was driving. Like, what are they? they doing meanwhile frank is trying to get this bracelet off he's gonna go see a friend which that whole scene like nothing comes of it right except a fight and that we learn that valenta likes 
to watch men strip <laughs> because we're going to find out, oh, there's a transmitter in your car. We can't unhook it. We can't do anything with your bracelet. Like it serves no purpose as far as the bracelet goes. Well, and, and rewinding a little bit to what you said, the two guys in the Mercedes. So they're sent, they work for the Ukrainian prime minister. Which we don't know at this point, though. Yeah, I don't exactly remember when that's revealed because at first I was a little confused because clearly someone's in Frank's house. They kidnap Frank, they get the girl, and everything's fine. The police apparently come because Frank called it in. Hey, there was an accident. He gets the ambulance. Big explosion, so that draws attention. So the police are there. They get the Audi. Tarconi, I guess, is wondering what Frank's got himself into. But they got the car, and those two guys kill a police officer you know they shoot him right there in the uh, in the vehicle to and then one just goes and grabs a, a gps and at first to your point jacob i was thinking well that's really weird you know they're there and they got frank and they got the girl why didn't they remember to get the gps yeah i thought they were johnson's men cleaning up the scene yeah that's exactly what i thought it was like well that's kind of sloppy did he have to send two other guys to oh crap he forgot the gps no it Turns out these guys are with the Prime Minister, which I still ask that question. Why did Johnson's men, or Johnson if he was even there, why did they leave that GPS behind? Because I don't know how they use that to track Frank, by the way. Maybe Johnson's men didn't care because it was programmed in by code. And I did figure out that those two guys were working for the Prime Minister because they just were on the trail so much. The fact that they killed the cop was a little bit... It made you think that they worked for Johnson, but by the time they were chasing Frank on the highway, I'm like, okay, those guys are actually on the good side, and Frank kills them. Well, the good side, here's where it's a little conflicted. Even if they're Ukrainian and they're in France, they killed a cop. The Ukrainian prime minister's in of itself is sort of, you know, not a hero, not a, you know, his daughter's kidnapped. You feel a little sympathy there. He's trying to protect the environment. I guess that makes him a good guy, but he's he's obviously hiring mercenaries. And I don't know if he just find a Merc.com, found these two guys, or if these just are just part of his, hey, I got a couple guys and they do stuff for me. Well, they kill a cop. So this whole, I wouldn't call them good guys. You know, they did something by killing a police officer that they got what they deserved. Which kind of makes you wonder, well, how corrupt is the Ukrainian prime minister anyway? But I have to think that it makes sense that he would have some people there. I don't know what the Ukrainian policy is with terrorists. I know that there have been movies about president's daughters getting kidnapped and the we do not negotiate with terrorist things. I think that was part of the plot of executive decision. I usually go to Escape from New York when I want to understand American policy with terrorists. <laughs> but... That he is willing to negotiate like this, and they're playing this chess game where Johnson, because he gets Frank, screws up and loses the girl, and the Prime Minister is trying to stretch everything out so that his men can get Valenta back. It seems like a whole bunch of incompetence all the way around, to be honest. Yeah, and going back to the garage scene, you know, I, I think Jacob was you that said that all we learn is that there's a sensor in the car. Great, well, we kind of figured that out. I, I was hoping that would play out more in the sense that yeah, there's a sensor in her car, and guess what, Frank? You know what? It it just comes right out. You can carry it in your pocket, and that way you don't have to be worried. You know, something other than insert fight scene here. I like the fight scene, by the way. Speed up aside, it was cool. No, I like this fight scene, too, and I'm laughing, like, as Frank is stripping down. Like, yeah. he loses his jacket, then he loses his tie, then he loses his shirt. And the girl's liking it, and she applauds it at the end, and yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> was she liking the nudity? Was she liking the fight? I kind of think it's both. <laughs> well, yeah, at first she's just like, 
hey, good luck, you better do what they say, or, you know, whatever she says. So I think there she gets really impressed with, you know, I don't know what Malcolm, you know, Malcolm got shot up, and he never really had a chance fist fighting with him, but, like, I think she understands that Johnson and his group are, are bad dudes, and Frank just took out, like, 19 of them, including the big guy. Yeah, see, this is where I wish the cinematography was a little bit better. Yeah, they call him the big guy, but some of these cuts are so quick. I never get a scene where it's... Just the two of them, Frank and the big guy, like, standing there staring at each other where I get a sense of his size. Like, that would have helped me. Like, they shoot things and he looks taller, but it could just be how it was shot. I wish they would have taken the time, you know, they could have slowed the film down. (laughs) A little bit, and just you, you do some of these establishing shots that enhance the action by letting you know what a threat this guy is. I never get a sense that he's really that much of a threat. I think we got that little uh, street fighter scene where one guy's on the left and one guy's on the right, and you just it was missing the fight, you know, thing from like Mortal Kombat. But yeah, I think they did okay with that. The fight scene in general followed the traditional video game rules of like no more than two people at a time can attack Frank. So he's holding one guy and kicking somebody constantly, but not like five guys ever try to jump up at once. But I felt like the scene with the big guy was okay with the imposing of the size. And, you know, obviously Frank kind of wanted by luck because the big guy fell through that wooden floor, which brought him down to Frank's size, and he, he was able to finish it off. He goes full-on Karate Kid, too, with those punches. Yeah. <laughs> I did like when he tosses a flower in there, because, yeah, he falls into... I'm guessing that's, like, where you stand when you're doing an oil change for a car, and the guy falls down there. It's like a grave, and he tosses the flower. <laughs> I don't know why there was roses hanging around at the auto shop, but... And I don't know why they even brought in the auto shop you know the guy's name there is Otto, and the whole thing just seemed like a stage for a really big fight the one thing i'll credit this film despite being on fast forward these fights are pretty lengthy the one when frank refuses the job the one here frank takes his time and yeah he keeps doing a couple of the same moves he pulls out the jackie chan coat maneuver here he grabs a metal bar like jerry had said on a previous one interacting with the environment which now that you've said it i was really paying attention this time it's fun to see frank move i wish i could really see frank move did you try slowing it down to like 0.8 (laughs) to compensate or my playstation doesn't allow that okay fair enough but it's a pretty good fight and it's the first time i noticed the speed up effect really badly And it's Valenta there. We haven't really talked about her much. There's an interesting story behind the scenes here. Would you believe she's never acted before? Yes, I would. (laughs) (laughs) I I read that too, yes. I also believe she puts on her makeup without looking in a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) She's had a rough week, dude. Come on. Well, Luke Besson just saw her on the New York streets and was like, you, you will be an actress. Sent her to six months of acting class and put her in this. Ooh, six months and this is what they get? I thought, like, I had to look up where she was from because when she's like, what is the doom and gloom? I'm like, come on, that is so stereotypical Russian. Like, are you the gay? I'm like, oh, come on. This, And then I look, I'm like, oh, she was born in the former Soviet Union. Like, she is actually doing the best she can. Yeah, the funny thing about the gay is because in the first film, apparently, People started to wonder about Frank because he did that oxygen from the dead man's lungs thing. And then in the second film, he was reluctant to sleep with the girl. And here he's reluctant to sleep with the girl. So it actually was an audience thing. And Frank Stevens says, it's not because of you, it's because of who I am. (laughs) Yeah, well, come on. Valenta's kind of crazy. She's going to find, I don't know if it's ecstasy or what. She finds some pills. 
like while they're driving somewhere and she's like, oh, I'm going to pop them. Perfect time to do some recreational drug use. And then she's like, because these films love women going pee. Is that a fetish of Bissons? We saw that in the first one. Here, they're going to stop at a gas station, and she's like, I got to go pee, and like, she's going to go in, and I'm going to take a Cheeto, and I'm going to take some sip of this vodka, and she can't get to the bathroom because of that dang bracelet. It's more than 75 feet away, so she's just going to crouch right there in the gas station and go. And two, with her and Frank, I mean, can she possibly be over 19? Possibly, but not much. I thought... 2021 yeah something like that and if she's if she's hanging out and off the coast of spain partying i guess she you know away from home i guess she's might be a little older but frank's got to be late 30s early 40s so i mean there's a big gap there just to say hey it's i mean she's practically a child compared to frank i think i have to interject and say this is a french film (laughs) but frank's not (laughs) <laughs> no, but the filmmakers, the writers, they're French, and so... Oh, I get that. Yeah, it literally happens on screen, so absolutely. But, you know, to me, that was just part of my... Eh, I just don't see them hooking up, because she's... To the point you're getting at, she's she's kind of a flake with the recreational drug use. Nothing about her, other than, you know, the film's portraying her as being attractive and seductive to, to Frank, but there's nothing about her that I think really connects with Frank, but apparently he... Falls in love anyway. Or lust. I mean, it all depends on, I guess, his thing for redheads. The fact that he holds out as long as he does. Megaton was saying on the commentary that Frank never had a love story. And so this was a change in Transporter. And he also did say he watched the previous ones. But isn't this like the same arc as part one? Yeah, that's that's a weird thing to say because, yeah, one, there was a love story. It was similar to this where Frank is more reluctant, but... There's a girl trying to hook up with them, maybe because he offers certain skills that they need to take advantage of. But yeah, that's all there. But I do like, you know, before they hook up, they got to speed away because the prime minister's men and the Mercedes, they just happen to pull over next to the gas station to go pee and notice her. And so we get another chase here where Frank is going to go sideways. He's going to go up on two wheels to get between two semis. It's kind of a cool chase. I do like it. Again, when Frank calls Johnson, though, and says, who are these people? And Johnson's like, they're not mine. Frank might want to just stop the car and go, hey. Are we on the same side here? Maybe you could take this thing off my wrist? Well, they didn't really come across as if they wanted to negotiate. I thought it was kind of weird. I When, when they first stopped the side of the road, I assumed they were because they were actively tracking Frank. Yeah, I thought they were tailing him. Yeah, and like, hey, let's stop here and act nonchalant like we're taking a pee and see what they're doing. But no, they're like, I, there's the girl! You didn't already know that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think the movie is probably just exacting the justice that we... As the audience knows, I mean, these guys are cop killers and yeah, you you have no sympathy for it. Although you do play through in your mind the concept of like, if Frank had just somehow handed over the girl to them, which I guess he really couldn't because of the bracelet thing. Yeah, she'd blow up. (laughs) But let's say he had a civil conversation, say, hey, here's what's going down. I'm a hostage. She can tell you as much as she is. I'm a hostage. What do we do? Would that have been some sort of reconciliation for the prime minister to say, hey, I practically got my daughter back and I can keep the girl close to the car until I figure out how to dismantle the thing. I I never picked up if Johnson had the ability to remotely just flip the switch and blow him up or if it was just all tied to the sensor. I guess he would have done it to Frank instead of trying to shoot him up if he could have, but... Yeah, most of the time he wants Valenta alive, so that means he can't pull the plug on that, which means it's really weird that he... Puts it on her in the first place? Lowjacked her this way, yeah. 
But later on, when they're on the bridge and they have Valenta, I suppose he could have pushed a button. There's a lot of explosive in that little wrist. That ambulance (laughs) went like sky high. So I do wonder if maybe they just couldn't be so close to it. Well, there is that. And then all the fuel in the car would go. And yeah. I mean, you saw that in Die Hard 3, right? The same kind of technology there. And the, the guy in the police station mixes like two little ounces of it together and like freaks everybody on the gas station. So, you know, maybe that chemistry is far more potent than we think. But after that, Frank does get to Budapest for honestly what is perhaps my favorite scene of the whole movie and the last scene I like in this movie. It kind of reminds me of something we'd see in Crank. I know, Jacob, that's one of your favorite series. I thought the exact same thing. And I don't like Crank, but I couldn't help but to think about it because of the intensity of these biking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I love this. Frank gets out of the car to make a call to Johnson. Which, by the way, by the way, stop for a second. As cool as the bike scene is, and we're going to get there real fast, but when he stepped out of the car, did you think to yourself, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm like, pull that car up a little bit closer. That phone looks far away. <laughs> Lock the door. Take the key. Where's his access code? Someone seriously came and just took his car yeah one of johnson's men jump in the car and frank of course has to chase that car because he can't be more than 75 feet away from it and arnie you're right i am thinking crank i'm like this should be the entire plot that the transporter (laughs) is chasing his car to stay alive because of this bracelet like that could be the plot of crank three like i oh i love this once he takes that bmx and starts chasing him down and again awful job on trying to make us think this is actually jason statham riding this bike because they never show the dude's head no nothing above the shoulders i mean i'm sure that they couldn't even get somebody close to the head i mean this bike is doing some serious stuff though i mean they're grinding like a skateboarder yeah that's a point where you find anyone who can do the moves on a bike and put them in a black suit hey i'm I'm impressed that someone was able to do that in a suit i would have a hard (laughs) time doing that in regular recreational clothes i couldn't do it but this is a sense of fun like that I could go with. This is like putting the coconuts on your hands as boxing gloves or watermelons, <laughs> whatever those were. Like that is one of the things. Like this has had the chases. This has had the fights. It has missed a sense of that goofiness that I think the first two kind of maintained, which were a bit of a problem for me because the tone's all over the place. But I'm like, yeah, this is actually the movie I want. I want to see Frank putting on rollerblades, getting a skateboard, doing the Back to the Future thing, like taking someone's scooter and having to chase a car. (laughs) I was hoping this would be the rest of the plot. It's really the best thing in the whole thing because even though it's cut so that you can't see who's on the bike, it's still amazing bike work that isn't cut as fast as any of the fights. It is sped up, though. I appreciate it so much because it's... The Transporter series has given me a few moments of where I've looked at what's going on action scene-wise and thought, you know, I I don't think anybody's ever really done this. Because, you know, if you're driving through Budapest and even an Audi, you're not doing 90 miles an hour and getting so far away from Frank so quickly that that's not feasible. He's going to get held up here, held up there, taking a turn there, and Frank's going through buildings and crossing streets, and it's like, yeah, this is kind of unique. I, I, I appreciate the, you know, I, I feel like I'm not just seeing, we saw that in Lethal Weapon, or that, yeah, they ripped that from Die Hard. No, this was pretty unique, you know, bike versus car, and the way Frank re-enters the car is super awesome, and it goes back to what I said, Transporter 1, you know, I want to be Jason Statham when I grow up, and, you know, because he's just, everything Frank Martin does just 
makes Frank Martin the ultimate man alive. I mean, forget your Captain America super soldier. I think this <laughs> this guy would win. But yeah, he does get back in the car and we're going to go back to... Well, we're going to get to a bridge. There's been this 24-hour clock clicking down. Like, the Prime Minister's like, okay, I'll, I got 24 hours and then I'll sign it. I don't know why anyone buys that he needs 24 hours before he needs to sign these papers, but they're down to the last few hours. So they're like, okay, we could take the girl, give him back to the prime minister. And yeah, we get this scene on a bridge. It was so weird because they block Frank in on this bridge. And one side is like all the goons with their guns. The other side, did you guys notice this? It was a truck with like a bunch of toxic waste barrels. <laughs> That never plays any part. It's like the second container from the first film. Like, you see it, and then it just never comes up again. <laughs> That'd be awesome if it was literally the second truck from the first film. Because we said, hey, where'd it go? Well, it apparently went to Bucharest. <laughs> All right, I actually lied. The bike scene was not my last favorite moment. When Frank goes underwater, I'm thinking, okay, how is he going to get out of this one? Is the car going to not sink to 75 feet of depth. He calls Tarconi from the sinking car. Yeah. I'm like, is Tarconi going to get there in time? What's the plan there? They're only 10 minutes away, fortunately. But then he gets out of the car and it reminds me of something I see because I have a lot of phobias around death and one of them is going off a bridge into a body of water and drowning. Beetlejuice must be terrifying for you. <laughs> Well, I used to drive over a bridge every day to work, and it was sometimes icy. So uh, I would watch shows about how to survive that. And one of the things was you could use the, if you don't have nitrogen in your tires, you can use the stale oxygen in your tires to breathe. And so I'm like, okay, is he going to just stay down there? How's Tarconi going to find him? And then he's using it. I mean, this is ingenious. <laughs> You're taking furious notes, like, how to do this if it ever happens. First of all, he carries a raft in the trunk. I think I'm going to start an inflatable raft. Was that an inflatable raft? I thought that was the bag, because Johnson, they put in this bag. We find out it's just full of phone books, so he thinks that's the package and doesn't realize it's Valenta. I thought that was the bags Johnson threw in the trunk of the car. I thought the bags were black. This is some orange thing he pulls in and he does have two of them so he's always prepared yeah i was with jacob though i thought that was what those folks put in his trunk that the phone books were in but either way it's a good thing they were there it's like having two scuba tanks you, you never know it's frank yeah i honestly thought he was going to the trunk to get a scuba tank <laughs> i really did but then he inflates this with oxygen and puts his head in it. And I'm like, yes, he has found a place where he can breathe this entire time. You can stay there until somebody comes. And actually, he does something even cooler because he's Frank and he does it on both sides and it somehow floats the car up. I'm not sure if I buy it. But the fact that he is so ingenious as to use all of that air from the tires to save his own life. My heart was racing. No, I like this. I'm always looking for some creative way to get out of these situations. I thought this is where we were going to go back to auto with Chekhov's tracking device in the car and short that out or something. Like, why show us that if you're never going to go back to it? But no, he, yeah, he creates these two big, essentially just big gold airbags or balloons that he attaches to the car so it brings the car back up to the surface i i do like how jokey it is he's getting dragged in by like a tractor some peasant on a tractor bringing him to shore as tarconi and the rest of the police pull up and i wondered how they were going to get that 
wrist piece off of him. And it turns out they didn't. He's just going to now chase down Johnson. I, I gotta ask, Jerry, You since you seem to know something about cars, there's no way a car totally submerged. You can't just, like, mess around with the engine and get it going again, can you? Oh, yeah, I, I thought that too. And I don't know the specifics of, like, if an engine gets flooded like that, I mean, usually when a car gets, even in a flood, and you get water even... To a certain portion of it, they normally, you know, would total it or would call it a flood damaged car. And that's an official thing on the title. Frank's not worried about titles right now. But yeah, I don't <laughs> think it's going peak performance in, yeah, like you said, five, ten minutes of tinkering around with the engine. And peak performance he needs because he's got to chase a train. And jump on it twice. <laughs> <laughs> reposition the car within the train. <laughs> I'll admit, the jumping on it the first time, I was like, yeah, all right, I saw it coming. The second time, I was like, <laughs> okay, that's something I didn't expect. I love it, too, how he, like, can't take that one extra step to get to him. It was weird, like, that he waits for the last car. I guess he was hoping they were on the last car of that train. I'm like, go for the middle of it, that way you got some room. But, yeah, he lands right at the end of that train, and I'm thinking grab Johnson and then tell Valenta to just run the other way so Johnson gets scared that he's going to get blown up or something. But yeah, they got to come up with some creative way to deal with these bracelets. Yeah, and Johnson has had a key so Frank can take his off and slap it to him. And to be perfectly honest by this point, because the second half of the movie has been on fast forward, I can <laughs> admire what they've done without enjoying a second of it. And when I'm like, just blow Johnson up, just blow Johnson up. This movie's at 1.5x. It's not moving fast enough. Blow Johnson up. And again, the explosion was so big in the ambulance. How does Frank survive being in the same train car? <laughs> Well, that's my question. I'm like, wait, this train's got to be totally derailed. Nope, they just stopped it. I mean, we should say Frank had to jump onto a train and then Johnson unlatches that car. So Frank's got to get back in his car because he can't be more than 75 feet away and jump does the total speed thing where it's a flat surface, but somehow it angles up so he could jump back onto the moving train. This train is still on the track somehow. And then he blows it up, and it just comes to a calm, peaceful stop. Well, and, and Frank avoids all the explosions from the bracelet by, what, hiding behind one of the seats. Mm -hmm. That is one hell of a seat. Hey, it's made of the same stuff as the doors, the bulletproof doors that we saw in previous films. <laughs> Weren't the ambulance drivers behind seats? Different seats. They were not bulletproof <laughs> seats like these ones. And, and those were French ambulances, by the way, versus now we're in Romania. Yeah, they went through the Cold War. Romania train seats. They're made from the remnants of dismantled nuclear bombs. Absolutely. Exactly. Cold War remnants of something. All the tanks they dismantled. <laughs> and then it's pretty much over. We cut to a very weird scene about Valenta talking about eating out with both Frank and Tarconi on the boat. And I mean, I mean, literally going to a restaurant. No, she's been doing that the whole time. That's what I'm saying. Like, Besson, like, he's like, oh, our characters need to have quirks because that makes them well-rounded, deep characters. Um, so she's always going to talk about what she wants at a restaurant. Like, this is like the third time she's done that, where she gets real detailed and Frank's like, and the wine and for dessert. It's like he gets more joy off of that than actual intercourse. I thought he was doing it to calm her, you know, and it might have been a little flirty, but I really thought that it was she was freaking out. She was morose. And so he was trying to make her think of happy things. That's what I gathered, especially earlier on, where you just wanted to get a name and understand the situation, but yeah, it becomes the running uh, character trait of her, quote unquote. And with that, it credits roll. So we know where I stand, but... <laughs>
Jacob, Jerry, do you recommend The Transporter 3? Jacob. Look, this franchise, man, this... None of these are great films. This one is the best one, in my opinion. Is that enough to get a recommend, though? I Look, if this would have been, like, a bad crank ripoff and just been Frank, like, chasing a car the whole time, I would have been so excited. That BMX scene really got me excited. I really enjoyed it. <sighs> that fire hose scene in Transporter 2 is probably better, but, like, I like the adrenaline of that BMX scene here where he's chasing the car. And the early fights, I enjoyed the cars zipping around going up on their side i enjoyed that yeah the this plot is it worse than the other two it's i don't know this one i guess has a better tone or it's a more even tone for me like we don't get cartoonish women in lingerie shooting things up i miss that (laughs) You, you know i'm just like look i wasn't screaming at my tv the entire time watching this it's still like a C-list action film, which is mediocre. I'll I'll give this one a weak, weak, weak recommend. I'm just so on the line. I almost just don't care about it, but <laughs> I'll give it a weak recommend. Because of the BMX scene, mostly. But the other stuff was all right. Jerry. Yeah, Jacob, I, I'm with you a little bit, except I come in with, obviously, you know, I, I recommend the first movie. I enjoy the first movie a lot. I want to pretend the second one just isn't part of this and i like where this third one picks up frank is still in france and it's kind of like his day in the life of a transporter in europe and i I dig the environment more i think the progression of frank's journey from point a to point b i think was just more of what i expected for a frank story versus what we got in the second one that said what i can't help to overlook is just how senseless a lot of these things are. I mean, one of the things I don't think we spend too much time on, because we are probably just out of gas and of just going over this kind of stuff in this movie, is I don't even fully understand why Johnson needed a transport in the first place. I asked that, yeah. Yeah, he's he's in Bucharest to pick up the girl. But then he's apparently in Nice to set up Frank to take the girl. It'll get why this movie's happening. That said, I'm enjoying all the stops along the way. I mean, I've... Stay this a few times already. I like Jason Statham and I like what he does on screen. I think he, aside from some fast forward going on in his fight scenes, I enjoy the action of this movie. I enjoy it. And it's one of those things where you kind of wish if they had just rewritten this line here or if they'd taken Malcolm out entirely, for instance, and just kidnapped Frank and said, hey, you're going to do this job. You're the best. I can't have any screw-ups. you got to have this girl in Bucharest by this time, 36 hours from now, go. And they meet him there just as a way to, hey, we're going to take other transport. I mean, you know, there's there's a dozen different ways they could have just simplified the writing to make it a little bit more where you're not scratching your head. That said, I'm not going to hold that kind of stuff against an action movie because I will to some degree and, and, and give this a, a weak recommend. I actually enjoyed this movie a, a lot more than the second one. I think it was more in line with what the first movie did and what it was, which I enjoyed. So, if, Jacob, if you kind of agree with that, but you didn't like the first movie, then I see why you're giving it a, a very, very, very weak recommend. I'm giving it a weak recommend just because I think some of the plotting and the storytelling and just the why things are happening and why people are here and why they're going from here to here. I mean, I literally went to Google Maps and broke open Europe to say, okay, now wait a minute, where did the girl start and how did she get to France and why are they going to Budapest and where does Bucharest put you in relation to the Ukraine and does that make sense? I mean, if the movie kind of requires you to brush up on world geography, then it's doing something wrong. They need a Indiana Jones-like map. That would have been great. (laughs) 
or to help us understand, I mean, a, a second screen feature on the Blu-ray to understand where the boat's traveling while all this is happening. That, that may have helped too. So the movie's doing something wrong when you got to literally map it out to see if it makes sense. So is it a great action movie? It's very good action, but as a movie, it's it's a little bit of a mess. I'm not a strong recommend by any stretch of imagination, but yeah, I give it a recommend just for some of the action scenes alone. We're on very different pages because even beyond the technical aspects, I'm the one who's recommended the past two films, but I found this one's plot to be incomprehensible. As I said, Johnson is a weak, pathetic stupid villain. He's more stupid than the guy that poisoned the kid so he would poison his dad so he'd poison the entire DEA. And thus the entire world, yeah. <laughs> it's saying a lot. I mean, with these films, saying stupid means a lot. With that one, maybe because I like Mission Impossible 2, I went with it. <laughs> oh, your love for that is way too strong. <laughs> Don't argue with the woo, but... With this one, I'm just sitting there, and there's a million logical fallacies that are just making my head explode. Every human action in this is dumb. There are some good action scenes in here. There's, I'm sure, some good stunts, but the camera won't let us see them. The bike scene and the underwater scene are good scenes. That's going to elevate this from a strong not recommend to just a don't see this thing, but it is a not recommend. I find... Jerry, you said this one was a throwback to one. Yeah, in too many ways. And there's just so much. Why is Tarconi a French police officer enforcing anything in the Ukraine? I mean, where's his jurisdiction? It's all stupid. And the last two films haven't exactly been brain strainers, but this one is insultingly dumb. And then whatever happened in that editing bay, horrible. It's a solid not recommend, and I think the worst of the series. So you would tell someone, despite the the cool chase on the bike and some of the cool fighting scenes, you would tell them to absolutely not see this movie? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to bring it into Final Cut Pro or Avid, slow it <laughs> down. Honestly, for some of this movie, I was sitting here watching it, taking my notes, going... Doing the Benny Hill music, yeah. Yeah, all I need is the girl from the last movie to start coming in and out of doors. <laughs> yeah, don't watch this. I would love to see these stunts done, and I'm sure they have been done, in a better movie, filmed better. But maybe I'm wrong. Megaton continues to work in films I've even seen, like Taken 2, and films I haven't seen, like Taken 3. And see, like Taken 2, I like slightly more than the first Taken, so maybe I'm a Megaton fan. In Taken 3, I actually saw Taken 2 and Taken 3... I saw Taken 2 on the way to Germany and saw Taken 3 on the way back from Germany about a month ago. I thought 3 was better, so I'll just leave it at that. I thought 2 was a far drop from 1. Yes, it is. He also did a film I hated called Hitman. Not the new one, Agent 47, the original movie based on the video mm, game. Yeah, uh -huh. yep. <laughs> and one I haven't seen, but I hear medium things about is Columbiana. It's on my... Netflix queue. Eh, there's one really good scene in it, and it's really boring after that. But that is Megaton's filmography there, at least his English-speaking stuff. He's done a lot in French. I can't believe how much of it I've seen then. <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't the end. I mean, obviously not the end of The Transporter, because we got a reboot coming out. But even before that reboot, I guess this went on. This was popular enough to get a television show out of. Every so often, being the now playing fan comes with an unexpected pop quiz. 
<laughs> or cramming for something. Yes, I found out as I was prepping for this whole series that indeed, from 2012 to 2013, 2014, there was a Transporter TV series. Was this a sci-fi thing? No, it was <laughs> French. Oh, okay. So was it? it's the French keeping this alive. Keep in mind, these are all French films, and this was made for several European television stations they got a bad statham stand in as frank or did they go a whole different route uh yes they got somebody as frank it is actually frank martin yes yeah and he's somebody who has some tv stuff but nothing i've ever seen and he's supposed to be frank but he has hair so right there that's a problem <laughs> He wouldn't shave his head for it. It's not a prequel of, like, young Frank in his early days. <laughs> no, it is specifically a sequel to Transporter 3, picking up, I guess, where this movie leaves off, but it's so episodic. In season two, they started to get a little bit of an arc going, but it's just kind of like the old episodes of Knight Rider. You like that? Okay, but I was eight. Is there a Garth in the series? I did not get there. But every episode I watch, Frank gets a mission, there's a double cross, Frank has to fight back against the person who gives him the mission, and Frank wins. The only thing that really felt like the film to me was Francois Berlan came back as Inspector Tarconi for all of season one and some of season two. But other than that, this guy who plays the transporter, Chris Vance, the thing I couldn't get out of my mind, the way his smile was, the way his hair was, imagine this transporter film trilogy... If Frank Martin was played by Sam Neill. Hmm, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah, it's just a little too British, a little too polite, and he certainly can't do the action. You want to see some fast cut stuff. The action in Transporter 3 is better than the action, at least the fighting in Transporter the series. There's one time where Frank's supposed to do a roundhouse kick that is so fake, it's Honestly, reminding me of UHF, where you have, like, the legs on sticks coming up and kicking people. <laughs> it's really ridiculously bad. The driving stuff isn't so bad. It didn't have nearly the budget. It did for a whole season, but not per episode as this. I found the whole episodes I watched to be better than Transporter 3, but just terribly uninteresting and... Chris Vance was miscast as the transporter. He was the biggest detriment. And to Jerry, well, he's still driving an Audi. <laughs> no BMW ever. Never coming back. I downloaded a, a couple episodes of the show kind of based on like what the French intended to be the first episode. And then I downloaded a, a second episode that they said tied into the... I don't know, where he first meets somebody that I guess is pivotal to the show or whatever. And I got, honestly, I got 15 minutes into that quote-unquote first episode, which I don't think is the first episode that aired in the U.S. Because does it show on, like, Showtime or something? I was watching it on Netflix. They had a partnership with HBO, but it failed. So... This is on Netflix? Yeah, you didn't have to buy anything. I bought them off. I mean, it's just two episodes, no big deal. But I got about 15 minutes into it, and I was like, all right, I got to do something else. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. This aired in a heavily edited way on TNT. And I say heavily edited because all these Transporter films we've reviewed are PG-13. This series is not. I repeat, it's French. So there's a lot <laughs> of sex and a lot of naked women. So the stuff for French TV is more risque than what we've seen in the movies. Yes. The U.S. edit of a French movie, at least the uh, the first two movies, had at least 
the European edits and cuts had more violence, though, right? If not any sexuality. And nipples through that lingerie bra. But yeah, ah. not nothing like this. This is like true love level sex going on. I haven't seen Game of Thrones, but I think it's probably approaching it. So it's out there for people who can't get enough. For me, I watched enough of it. I don't see myself going back, but I am going back to the theaters to see Transporter Refueled. Another chance to recast Jason Statham in a prequel. I just hope he's better than Chris Vance. And we will be back next week with that. In the meantime, don't forget our fall donation drive is getting ready to start with a movie with tremendous action. Better action, I think, than any of the Transporter films is found in the first Battle Royale. Would you agree, Jacob? Oh, yeah. And it's a hard R. Lots of blood and guts. Yes, more enjoyable than this. I'm looking forward to... It's a film that I enjoy, and it's also our first foreign language film. I guess these transporter film where you could classify as foreign they're from france but no this is our first foray into the foreign language films yes so next week we start our fall donation series with battle royale and then battle royale 2 the week after then we're gonna get into some tarantino you can find out all the details by clicking the banner at the top of nowplayingpodcast.com so jerry jacob thank you for joining me and until next time, au revoir, my friends. Au revoir. Coney, it's me. Get out of the house. Oh, no. We're just pressing the Madelands. Forget the Madelands, just get out. And go where? Anywhere. The beach, go to the beach. Oh, the beach. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. What's in this for you? Pleasure. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review. I don't like to be late. Well, would you rather be late or dead? Also on our site, you can find hundreds of in-depth movie reviews of film series such as The Fast and the Furious, Tron, Terminator, Rocky, Robocop, Punisher, Mad Max, and more. Am I in heaven? Actually, you're in a bit of the shit. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners. Well, I said drop in any time, but I didn't need nowhere else to go. Now Playing is an independent podcast with no sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to help keep the show going. You think this is the first time someone's held a gun to my head? You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Ten minutes past the deadline. If the money doesn't arrive, I send a finger. Twenty minutes. Aha. Sounds like we have a deal, don't we, Mr. You have a deal. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Don't think of this as just another job. Think of it as a mission. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. I always say the way a man treats his car is how he treats himself. Now Playing's Transporter Retrospective Series is edited by Heath, Anthony, and Arnie. We're going to need more men. Now playing credit narration by Brock. My boss said you're the man for the job. The Transporter films are the property of the respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. <laughs> I like that. Rules. 
You can't get anything done in the world without rules. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. I'm still wondering if I want to know everything or nothing about you. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2015, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. It's over, Frank. It's over. Mission accomplished. Yeah, and it was beautiful because then Franconi gets... I say Franconi? You said Franconi. And it's beautiful because Tarconi gets... And so we see Malcolm, what's the girl's name? Valenta? Valenta. Kind of like Polenta, the vegetable, okay. but Valenta, like vagina. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that got it. <laughs> vagina Polenta. Got it? Yes. yes. Both things you eat. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but other than that, this guy who plays the transporter, Cheers Vance. No, it is Chris. There's a type one wiki.